0: From the Cyber Hub Bunker in Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. I hope this week has been going smooth for all of Uh, y'all. A lot of good work done. We've got a packed show this morning, I think, like every single day. From the very beginning, from the very first day of this year, um, the, the advancement of threat actors, the amount of vulnerabilities have all led to what I like to call an epic center of decision making and risk analysis that needs to be done by many security practitioners. So we've got a, a, a lot on the docket this morning. Please make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast, cyberhubpodcast.com, for all of the latest, including the brand new season of CISO Talk with my good friend, Patrick Benoit, who is the CISO over the global CISO over at Brinks. And what was a very, very fun conversation on Joe Sullivan and the Uber breach and how that kind of transformed and how it's transforming the role of the CISO and considerations that need to be made by practitioners. A great 30 minute conversation. Go give that a listen. If you haven't done so yet, let's get the show going. Before we do that, though, let me grab my double espresso. And I'll tell y'all, coffee cup cheers. An exciting time with a new stealthy type of malware dubbed the head crab that's affecting at least 1,200 Redis database servers worldwide that have been correlated into a botnet. Um, the idea of the botnet is to mine for Monroe, I believe. Um, the uh, <laughs> the finding comes... Uh, Two months after, uh, cloud security firm shed light on a Go-based malware code named ReadyGo uh, that's been found compromising Redis server. The attack is designed to target Redis servers that are exposed to the internet, followed by issuing a slave of command from another Redis server that's already under the adversary's control. In doing so, the rogue master serves initiates a synchronization of the newly hacked server, download the malicious pain, uh, payload, which contains the, the sophisticated head crab malware. The attacker seems to mainly target Redis servers and has a deep understanding and expertise in Redis modules and APIs as demonstrated by the malware. While the ultimate end goal uh, of using the memory resident malware is to hijack the system's resources for cryptocurrency mining, it also boasts a, of numerous other options that allow the threat actor to execute shell commands, load fileless kernel modules, and exfiltrate data to remote servers. What's more, a follow-on analysis of the malware has revealed it to be weaponizing the same master-slave technique for proliferation and not just a LOA sandbox escape flaw, which is CVE 2022 0543, as previously disclosed. Headcrab will persist in using cutting edge techniques to penetrate servers, either through exploitation of misconfiguration or vulnerabilities. The policies around standing up Redis servers critical. The monitoring of Redis servers, even more critical. Keeping an eye on costs will also help. They're using these to mine for Monero, which means your costs are going to spike. Uh, there and so uh, noteworthy uh, of, of this new stealthy by the uh, head crab. By the way, it's really hard to detect, um, and, and there are some uh, best practices shared here. And you can find all the stories um, linked in the show notes, so you can go check out more there. A new DDoS service platform was used in recent attacks on hospitals. The new DDoS as a service, a DDoS as platform named Passion was seen used in recent attacks by pro-Russian hacktivists against medical institutions in the U.S. and Europe. The attack here, the platforms have been renting their available firepower to those looking to launch disruptive attacks on their target, absolving them of the need to build their own large botnet or coordinated volunteer action. Typically, the botnets are built by compromising vulnerable IoT devices like routers, IP cameras, and uniting them under a large swarm that that generates malicious requests towards a particular target. Radware discovered that the Passion platform, and although its origins are unknown, the operation has distinctive ties with Russian hacking groups like Killnet, Mirai, Venom, and Anonymous Russia. The Passion botnet was leveraged during attacks on January 27th, targeting medical institutions in the U.S., Portugal, Spain, Germany, Poland, Finland, Norway, Netherlands, and the U.K. in retaliation to sending tanks in support of the Ukraine. The operators of the Passion DDoS platform first promoted their service at the beginning of January, performing several defacements. Japanese and South African organization sites. The service operates as a subscription where their customers, aka threat actors, can purchase desirable attack vectors, duration, and intensity. Uh, the supported attack methods are HTTP Raw Crypto, UAM Browser, HTTPS Mix Browser, Bypass DNS I4, MixAMP I4, OVH TCP I4, and TCP KEL I4. The cost of the service, the subscription service for a seven day subscription costs 30 bucks Uh For an entire month, it's 120, and for a full year, it's 1440. And they take Bitcoin, Tether, and their Russian payment service, Kiwi. So um, anticipate more disruptive attacks, likely, uh, because the cost of the attack is so darn low. um, (laughs) It really doesn't cost much to do this. So uh, make sure you have resiliency around your DDoS. Um, And this is also a a great talking point around the impacts of the Russia-Ukraine conflict on businesses and, and especially healthcare facilities. Malicious NPM and PyPy packages are being used to steal user information. Checkpoint and Phallium are warning of a recently identified NPM and PyPy packages designed to steal user information and download additional payload. Taking advantage of the broad open source code in AppSec, malicious actors are increasingly relying on software supply chain attacks to infect both developers and users with malware. Uh, Sonotype's October 2022 report said that the number of software supply chain attacks observed In 2022, it was 633% higher compared to the previous year. Node.js, NPM, and Python repositories are preferred target for malicious packages, mainly because code execution can be triggered during package installation. In a new report, the cybersecurity firm says it's identified two malicious PyPy packages that fit that description. The first of them, Python-DRGN-Dragon, was uploaded to PyPy on August 8th. Relying on squatting, the package is meant to attract users who are looking for a DRGN, a debugger with an emphasis on programmability. The malicious package consists of a single setup.py file, which automatically runs during package installation and contains malware. When executed, the malware stores the username, the working directory path, and networking information and sends it to a remote private Slack channel. The second malicious package is named blocksflip. Type of squatting the blocksflip.py package which is an api wrapper for blocksflip.com the malicious code within thin blocks flip disables windows defenders to prevent detection then fetches an executable from a remote server creates a subprocess, and executes the malicious payload phallium on their side said that they discovered over 100 malicious npm packages that contain the payload in a package.json post install script which is executed executed during package installation the malicious scripts harvest various types of information From the infected system including host name username working directory and package name and version and sends it to an attacker controlled server software supply chain attacks are going to continue to rise you've got to harden that part of the business significantly and we've seen from solarwinds circle ci github and many others this is not going away, this is only going to increase. If last year was a 633% increase, you can already say that this year we've seen more than we saw in January of last year, just to start off this year. Over 1,800 Android phishing forms are for sale on a cybercrime market. A threat actor named In The Box is promoting on a Russian cybercrime forum an inventory of 1,894 web injects, overlays of phishing windows for stealing credentials and sensitive data from banking, cryptocurrency exchange, and e-commerce apps. The overlays are compatible with various Android banking malware and mimic apps operated by major organizations used in a dozen countries on almost every continent. Being available in such numbers at a low price allows cyber criminals to focus on other parts of their campaign development of the malware and to widen their attacks as a service not only has come to businesses but also to the world of cybercrime and it's making the cost of an attack and some aspects of the attack really cheap and easy to buy, allowing the threat actors to really focus on execution, which is why... You've really got to be tightening the identities around your users. You've got to be looking at your endpoints differently. You've got to be uh, uh, rethinking the way your security operations team handles different issues that pop up and different alerts and different policies that you have within your environment. Because what we're seeing with as a service, whether it be DDoS, malware, or phishing, they're really, what, what they're allowing the, the executing actor to do is focus on a group of people or a specific type of information to really do a targeted and successful type of operation, whether it be for the sake of a ransomware attack and, and, and and ransomware wipers are are coming folks. That's just a matter of, of time before those show up in our environments and your data is held at ransom and it'll wipe and they'll just start wiping data at a specific pace until you pay them what they want. Um, so keep that in mind. In most cases, the injects features a second overlay that requests the user to enter credit card numbers, expiration date, CVV. Again, they're trying to steal a lot, a whole ton of data here. And then once, once they have it, it's converted into a string value. It's sent to a server um, and they have access to banking details, to financial apps, to so much more. And so um, you want to protect your customers. At the end of the day, it's the financial organizations we work for that sometimes end up taking the burden the financial burden of these types of attacks and so you really not only want to be monitoring your your employees and their access but also your customers and really trying to leverage as much technology as humanly possible to identify when a customer is not that customer anything out of the ordinary should push for additional authentication discrepancies have been discovered in the vulnerability severity rating system The National Vulnerability Database and Vendors That Score Bugs, the CVSS scores that we've all come familiar with. A new study this week is sure to raise some more questions for enterprise security teams on the wisdom of relying on vulnerability scores. We've talked about it a lot on the show. We'll see a CVSS 9 or 0.8 or a CVSS 8.2 or or, or 7.9 or whatever the case may be. You always wonder what that is. There's a high rate of conflict. Approximately 56% or 14,000 of the vulnerabilities with two severity scores had conflicting scores, meaning the one assigned by NIST and the score from the vendor did not match. Where a vendor might have assessed a particular vulnerability to be of moderate severity, NIST may have assessed it as severe or vice versa. One example pointed to CV 2023 21557, a denial of service vulnerability in the Windows Lightweight Directory Access Protocol, LDAP. Microsoft assigned the vulnerability a high severity rating of 7.5 on the 10-point CVSS scale. NIST gave it a 9.1, making it a critical vulnerability. Um, And these conflicts create confusion because if you're looking at the NIST database, you'll see something very different from the CVSS score coming from the vendor. And again, I think this goes to the idea that you can take those scores at face value, but you really got to look at the implementation and, and the version of product you're using and then how you're using it and the data that's there and how that fits as part of your infrastructure and assign it your own CVSS score. And that's how you line up your patching. Just saying that this system is not perfect and security score alone are not the answers. You got to have an internal security score for these. You can weigh what NIST says. You can weigh what the vendor says. But at the end of the day, your team, your people, you as a practitioner know your environment best. And you would be able to say what is severe, low, medium, critical and address your patching and, and and address your your environment that way so i mean this is nothing new we've talked about this on the show for years now but definitely a, a story worthwhile and again links are in the show notes for y'all to do that a cisa is opening a supply chain risk management office to help public and private sectors implement recent cisa policies and guidance the uh The United States Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency plans to open an office focused on helping the public and private sectors to protect their software and IT supply chains. The new office will help organizations implement recently issued CISA policies and guidance related to managing cybersecurity supply chain risk, including issues stemming from malicious functionality, counterfeit components, or open source software vulnerabilities. The former General Services Administration official, um, Sean libovitz will lead the new supply chain risk division, federal, according to federal news network. We've got to we've got to a point where we move out of this idea of just thinking broadly about CScram cybersecurity supply chain risk management and really figuring out what chunks I want to start to tackle first, creating the roadmap so that we can actually move this forward. Not sure how this is different from CMMC, by the way. Um, I feel like there's a ton of conflict in the federal side of the business, and definitely uh, worth uh, worth a look into kind of bringing those efforts together that's it for our show this morning we will be back with a whole lot more on monday until then have a great great rest of your day have a great weekend and most importantly stay cyber safe we love feedback so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform